Well, good morning. It's good to see y'all today and to be in worship with you. My name is Grace Marie Ward. I'm the worship arts director here. If we have not met this morning, I want to welcome you. And usually I'm leading worship in the auditorium, so it's a gift for me to be able to be with y'all today for me. It's a, it's a blessing to be in this space. And I was telling someone earlier, when I first started here, actually almost 10 years ago, I started leading worship in this room because the contemporary service was in this room. And so it's always a special time to be back into this space, uh, recognizing the things that God has done just through this church. This morning, we are actually wrapping up a series called Holy Habits. And the idea behind this entire series has been throughout our daily routines and throughout our daily responsibilities, we can lay down certain habits that are actually going to pave the way for us to live a life that honors God the best. And the first two weeks, actually the first week, we looked at what it meant to live a life of intentionality. How are we intentional with our time each and every day, what we end up doing with our time? Last week, Pastor Jeff actually taught on gratitude. Are we living a life where we are grateful for the things that God has done in us and the things that God is doing through us and that God is doing around us? Are we living a life of gratitude? And this week, the holy habit that we're going to look at is, wait for it, wait for it, patience. Does anybody struggle with patience in the room this morning? Patience. Some of us think we are better at patience than we actually are. I know that is true. And I have had a love-hate relationship with patience my entire life. In fact, I think God was teaching me something about this back even when I was in second grade. I was cast in second grade uh, for the first time to be in a school program, which is exciting, right? I mean, get to be in, a, be in a little play where your parents and your grandparents come and watch you. And I was excited until I found out that I had to dress up like a snail, a green costume snail. And I had to come out onto the stage and I had to sing this song and I had to intentionally sing it slowly to prove the point of the song. And it went like this, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry when you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. And think of all the times when others have to wait on you. Does anybody know that song? I had people in the first service that were singing with me. Okay, y'all didn't learn that song growing up. Those are words that I have never forgotten. Some of y'all got impatient me singing that. You're like, get to the point, get to the end of the song. But impatience is something that comes a little natural for some of us. And being able to know the words of that song and being able to live that out is very different. And if we're going to be people who want to make this a holy habit in our life, that paves the way for a daily life that reflects God to the world, then we may have some work to do on this, I would say. Here are some things that the scripture has to say about patience, and it has to say a lot. Here are just a few. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Ecclesiastes says, Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. 
And then in Galatians in the New Testament, when it's listing out the fruits of the Spirit, when we have the Spirit at work in our life, it's listed here. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and it goes on. We would all say this morning that we want to be people who work towards being patient. We see the good in it. We know the world's a better place and a kinder place when people are practicing patience with each other, but also when they're practicing patience with themselves. But let's be honest, it can be difficult. I remember uh, when I was in middle school, my patience really started being tested because I grew up with two brothers growing up in a household of five One of the things that was so frustrating when you wake up in the morning, you all have somewhere to be, and you realize you woke up late, so you're fifth in line for the shower, that means you had no hot water. Some of y'all don't have that struggle. My house, we had one hot water heater, okay? If four people took a shower, the fifth person was going to have to wait 30 minutes to have hot water, and that was the longest 30 minutes it would really test my patience. But a very close second is having to wait 30 minutes after you swim, Okay, I heard later in life that adults made that up because you just didn't want to watch the kids. You wanted a break from watching the kids. Is that true? Mm -hmm. You're not admitting it. I'm going to take that up with my parents later, I know. But that was a close second, waiting 30 minutes to eat. I mean, 30 minutes to swim after you ate. All of us, we could go around the room and share things that we struggle with with patience. Here are a few that I know across the board people just generally struggle with. Waiting in line at the DMV. Anybody? How about waiting while stuck in traffic? I see you, old Cherokee Road construction. How about waiting at the doctor's office? They always want you to come like 30 minutes early to wait in one waiting room, and then you're called to the back to wait in another waiting room, and then eventually you're called to the actual holding room where the doctors are going to see you where you also wait. It's like a whole waiting process. How about this one? This, This one is probably the hardest for me. Waiting on hold when you've called like your internet service provider or your cell phone service provider, oh man. And then you're just getting transferred from a computer to a computer. And finally, I have actually said, speak to human, speak to human, please. And the, the computer doesn't listen. They don't, want, they don't want to hear that. But that can be something that really tests our patience. How about when you're waiting on somebody else to do something that they said they were going to do? To email you back to call you back, to give you the answer that you're waiting for, and you're stuck in a holding pattern just because this person isn't answering you, and that can really test your patience. How about when you're waiting on the job promotion? You've done the thing the boss asked you to do. You've gotten the extra certifications. You've done the work. You've proven yourself, and here you're in a situation where you're waiting to find out if you're going to get that promotion or not. How about waiting on a test result to come back. You can't go back to the mindset you had because you've been given news something's not as it's supposed to be and you can't move forward with what's next, but guess what? You're just, you're waiting. You're waiting. How about waiting on our circumstances to change? Some of us can just wait and wait and wait and the circumstances aren't changing. How about when we're waiting for God to show up and do something about our situation, something that we know we can't fix or do anything about, so we're waiting. God, where are you? I'm waiting, I'm waiting. The bottom line is we don't like waiting, and as Americans, we've been conditioned to actually hate it, hate waiting. I'm sure we could all go on and share different things about the things that we're tested with in our patients this morning, and I do not have the secret to waiting perfectly, 
when it comes to patience. I definitely don't have that this morning. That's not realistic for anyways, but I do think that we can take some time to try to maybe consider a bigger perspective of patience, a bigger perspective when it comes to entrusting our lives over to God in the big picture and how also that can have implications for our day-to-day situations as well. I want to start by looking at a story in the Bible of Abraham. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow with us on the screen. But in Genesis 12, something incredible happens, but it's because of what happens in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. If you don't know a whole lot about Genesis, just just know this part. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world. Everything is beautiful. Everything is perfect. Creation is in union with God. People are in union with each other and God and nature. Everything is thriving just as it's supposed to be. But then Genesis 3 happens. That's when the fall of man happens. And we see sin and brokenness enter the world and enter the story. And from Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, we see the impacts of that brokenness. We begin to see this sin and this brokenness spread not only from individuals, Adam and Eve, but also to their family. And then as it begins to grow, it's affected everybody on the earth as as people begin to grow. That is what is happening. And what happens here, really, when Genesis 12 starts, humanity has found themselves in a place where they needed saving from themselves. They needed saving from themselves. So God steps into the story in a unique way, and he calls a man named Abraham. This is what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Don't miss that. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here we have God coming to this man, Abram, who we also know as Abraham, so we'll use his name interchangeably this morning, placing a call on his life and telling him, hey, through you, you're going to have great descendants. And these descendants are going to grow into be this massive group of people. They're going to get their own land. They're going to become their own nation one day. And eventually, through your descendants in this line, there's going to be a blessing that's going to bless every family on the earth. There's something coming that is going to bless every family on the earth. And see, the greatest need that humanity had was the sin and brokenness issue to be dealt with. And Abraham doesn't know the implications of all that, even though we can look at the story and know more. But this is what we do need to know, is this promise that God has made to Abram seems to be the answer to that. It seems to be the answer to that. So, hey, it sounds great. Let's get this thing going, right? This this needs to be dealt with. Let's get this thing going. Let's get the story rolling. But here we understand, even from this passage, is that God's promises, the promises of God, are fulfilled by his process. The promises of God are fulfilled by his process, not ours. And in order for this promise to happen, a lot actually has to happen. And it's going to take, guess what, time. It's going to take some time. This is not going to be quick. Abram and his wife Sarah had no children at this time when God came to them. And to complicate things, they were getting on up there in age. They were 70 and 60, past the time of normal you can have children. And so it seems like, how is this actually going to happen? They've been promised by God there will be many descendants from them, their own nation, their own land, a blessing for the world. But this process is going to take some time. But God is not in a hurry. 
You know, we're, we're always rushing around, it seems. We're always in a hurry. But God is not in a hurry. God likes to grow things. And here's what's amazing is that God is just as committed to the process of something as he is the promise. God is just as committed to the process of something as he is the promise. And sometimes we aren't very excited about the process. The process requires waiting. The process requires patience. But the process is what really brings the promise to life. Have you ever considered that the reality of this truth is just around us each and every day? If you take an acorn, we can look at a picture of an acorn and know that eventually that can turn into an oak tree. God could have made it where just, hey, you do this and then we're going to have an oak tree. But he built process into the very nature and fiber of creation. An acorn through time and soil and nourishment and sunlight can become an oak tree. How about when someone shows you a picture of an ultrasound, a little baby? There is a long process and nourishment and things that have to happen for that baby to grow and to be healthy. And after nine months, that baby is birthed. And then that baby begins to get older and it goes to kindergarten one day. And then it goes to middle school and, Lord bless you, high school. And then eventually just becomes a, gr a grown adult that's living their own life. There is a process built into the very nature of how things work in the world. For those of you who garden, which would not be me. You take seeds and you plant them in the ground and there's a process at work for, that, for those seeds to be at a place to bear fruit. In the same way, God makes promises. He makes promises and he will surely be at work at a process in your life to bring those things about. See, often we're like, oh yes, Lord, I claim that promise. I want that promise. Yes, I received that promise. But then we're like, oh, I have, to, I have to go through this season in order to receive that? I don't, I don't really want to do that. Can we just get to that part? So the question is, are we willing to be patient with his process? Even in the middle of waiting, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't know how it's going to work out exactly, God's promises are fulfilled by his process. And we see in this passage that Abram says yes to God. But let's fast forward in the story. This is a long story. We're only going to be hitting some of the highlights this morning. Let's fast forward to Genesis 15. There's been a bit of drama that has unfolded in his life. And so we get to this part, and let's read these verses together. It says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, listen to this, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Okay, to be fair, it had actually been five years. Okay, so five years is a long time. But in the grand scheme of things, we look at it and we're like, five years? You're already getting impatient? Like, what's the deal? Five years? But there's been trouble along the way, but the biggest issue is still no baby. There's still no baby. So they're getting frustrated. Abraham is like, listen, um, we still haven't had any children, and we're getting a bit older. So how exactly is this promise thing going to work out? So Abraham starts to maybe think to himself. He says, uh, well, God said this, but maybe he meant, maybe he meant this. 
Maybe he meant this, so my servant, let's see, he can be considered like, he's my heir, I give my wealth to him. Maybe the descendants can just start right there. That that's what, it sounds like a great plan to Abraham. You see, God's timetable wasn't really moving along the way Abraham wanted it to. He was getting a little bit impatient. But the timing of God in our life requires the trusting of God. The timing of God, the timetable of God, the process of God, the timing of God requires the trusting of God. And oftentimes his timing doesn't match up with our expectations. And we try to intervene. And in doing so, what we're actually doing is saying, God, I don't trust you. So I'm going to step in and do this. I mean, how often do we find ourselves doing this? I may do that sometimes. We start justifying why we're stepping into the situation to quote unquote help God's plan to move God's plan along, to get this thing going. Those of us who maybe are a little bit of control freaks struggle with this a little bit more than others do. We see all the things and we're like, I feel like I might need to step in and just and do this. And, and hear, hear me say this. There are genuine times where God has placed us in positions and leaderships to do that very thing. This was not one of those times for Abraham. This was not one of those times. And it truly takes wisdom to discern when to step in and do something you feel like God's called you to do and when it's time to sit back and just fully trust and leave it to the Lord. Here is a, here's a picture of a cross stitch that my, my nanny always had this actual cross stitch in her bathroom. And recently when she passed away, I actually brought it to my house and it's actually hanging in my room. And I remember when I was really little, Every time I would go in there, I would just read it. And I didn't know what it meant when I was like six, seven, eight years old, obviously. But it was always there, so I would just read it all the time until I memorized it. But it's a serenity prayer. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. See, it really takes wisdom to know when to step into certain situations, but the whole time is, are we listening? Are we leaning? Are we trusting God? And Abraham had this idea for this other person just to be his heir, and let's just get the plan and the process and the promise going. But let's see what God's response is in verse 4. It says, the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own, and, you will be, and he will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. God says, nope. The promise still stands. You're going to have a son just like I said. And, you know, maybe, maybe Abraham was a visual learner. Maybe the, the verbal communication was not cutting through for him. Like, anybody else need, like, an illustration of, of your visual learner? That's me. And so God literally takes him outside he says, can look up in the sky, count the stars. Abraham, I literally painted you a picture. Now do you trust me? Now do you trust me? And there's a very famous verse about faith that comes right after this. In verse 6, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. The Lord counted him as righteous because of of his faith. So the story goes on. And this time, 11 more years pass. 11 more years pass. Abraham is 86. Sarah is now 76. 
And we come to this part of the story. Still no children. What is going on? And then Sarah has an idea. And this is what it says in chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to him, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. I bet he did. Abraham. This man who is called is supposed to be someone of faith and trusting in God steps outside of what God's design actually was. And that's, that's the plan they came up with. They suggested, hey, bring her on also as one of your wives and have a baby through her and we'll just get this whole thing going. But here's, here's actually what happened. Stepping outside of God's design actually brought disaster. Stepping outside of God's design actually brought disaster, though they thought it was a great idea. Yes, Hagar had a child. His name was Ishmael. But from that moment on, you see all kinds of friction begin to unfold in that family. And it actually ended up hurting Hagar. There's a lot of pain that was caused in her life because of this decision. Her and Ishmael ended up in the desert fleeing away. They were sent away. And there was a lot of pain in the story that we can't go in today. But what I want us to consider today that sometimes rushing it may end up ruining it. Rushing it, not always, but rushing it may actually end up ruining it. I am, I'm not much of a cook. I will confess that. Um, I like to leave it to the professionals at the restaurant, so I just order takeout like all the time, basically. And there are like two meals that I cook when I do cook, which is not very often. Like I can cook like bacon and eggs, and then I can cook like spaghetti. Spaghetti because you have you have two things you have to worry about. You open the can of sauce, you heat up the sauce. Okay, you got that going, and then you cook the noodles. The problem I always encounter is that the sauce takes like 45 seconds to be boiling because I just put that thing on high, and then it feels like it takes forever for the noodles to cook. And then I get, I get a little impatient if I'm hungry. And so I'm like getting it going, all right, okay, the water's boiling, okay. And then people always tell you, how do you know when the noodles are done? You know, you like test the noodles. I always heard take one and throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's done. I've done that before. Um, but I mean, there's just, there's like little tricks to figure out if the noodles are done. But there have been a, a few situations where I've just said, okay, I, I think it's good enough. I think it's good enough. I'm hungry. So I'll get the noodles, put them on the plate, put the sauce, sprinkle the Parmesan cheese, go to eat it, and I have chewy spaghetti. And chewy spaghetti is not good if you've ever had that before. And I think to myself, if I could have just waited like seven more minutes or so, the noodles would have been done. I wouldn't be dealing with this. But there are little illustrations in life all the time. When we rush something, we will end up ruining it. When we rush something, we will end up ruining it by saying, oh, it's just good enough. How do we do this in life? What is God trying to work in you now that you're just busy trying to rush out of? Anybody? You're just busy trying to rush out of it. Maybe we could consider that God actually wants to use the time and the waiting to prepare you for something. Maybe when you're in a situation or a season, your desire to rush out of it says more about what you're running from than who you're running to. Woo. Your desire to rush out of a season or out of a situation says a whole lot more about what you're running from than what you're running true to and what we're putting our hope in. I believe this to be true when it comes to situations where we end up rushing things. Rushing it may end up causing us to miss opportunities. It may cause us to miss opportunities. Rushing it may end up damaging relationships around us. Rushing it 
may cause us to leave behind unfinished business. You're just leaving things unfinished and you just want to move on to the next thing. But rushing it may just prove that we're not ready. It may just prove that we're not ready. And the incredible thing is God was gracious with Abraham. He took all the pieces of his story and his journey and he stayed in relationship with him because he had promised to Abraham what he was going to do and it was on God and God was going to complete that thing and his faith journey seemed very rocky along the way but he kept coming back to trust in God and so when we get to Genesis chapter 21 we find Abraham at 100 years old we find Sarah at 90 years old it had actually been 30 years since the initial promise to Abraham Back in Genesis 12, 30 years later, this is how Genesis 21 opens. It says this. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. You got that? This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. At just the time God had said it would. Because God wasn't in a hurry. He had a process that was at work. His process included that he was so patient with Abraham along the whole way. And God's promises never fail. And what's incredible, if you take your Bible, or if you don't have it today, you take it some other time, and you see that this, this much of the Old Testament here on the left, when Genesis 21 picks up with the birth of Isaac, there are chapters and chapters and books and books and books all the way until the New Testament. There's all these stories of these, these people that come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that grow into this great people who end up having their own land one day, the land of Canaan, the promised land, who end up becoming their own nation, the nation of Israel, who end up having their own king. Many people know the famous king, King David. But we also know about the fall of that kingdom and all the drama that unfolds. But God stays faithful to the process, even though all along the way people try to sabotage his plan. God stays faithful to his promise and to the process. And there are moments along the way where people were impatient with his timing. And there are moments along the way where God's intervening, working out in the store. But what's incredible is that after almost 2,000 years from the original promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, the New Testament opens with this. Matthew, the very first verses, it says this. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of who? Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And I was going to read the whole genealogy to you today to test all of our patience. But for the sake of time, I'm going to skip to the end. But there are some great names in there if anybody's looking, looking for some good names these days. Skip to the end of this genealogy after all these lives that have been lived and all these stories, about 2,000 years really between Abraham and this. It says this, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Messiah. 
God was at work this entire time through these stories. And the Savior that the world actually needed back in Genesis 3 through 11 when we see it unfolding and the promises made in Genesis 12, the Savior that was promised then really comes to this earth and lives a perfect life and dies for us. That's a story that I think we can look at and learn from. But how can we learn patience from the life of Abraham? How can our understanding of this big picture of what God has been doing in the world, how does that affect our day-to-day situations in living a life of patience? There's a passage in the New Testament which I think sums it up so well. It's in Hebrews, and it's actually talking about Abraham. And it actually says this about Abraham. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham, what? Waited patiently and received what God had promised. Now, when I first read this words, I said, really? Abraham waited patiently? He did not seem patient in the story that I was reading between Genesis 12 and Genesis 21, it felt like he was always trying to rush the process. It felt like he was always trying to step outside and and he had a better plan of how to bring this thing about. But the reality is, is he kept coming back to trusting in God. Because waiting patiently doesn't mean waiting perfectly. Waiting patiently doesn't mean waiting perfectly. Patience isn't something you either have or don't have. Rather, it's something you're growing in more capacity for in your life. And you can always keep coming back to. It's the work of God's spirit in you. It's the work God doing something in you to get more capacity for patience in these situations or in these seasons or in these things. Waiting, I think this is so interesting to think about. Waiting is an element of time. Patiently is an element of control. That's good, right? I didn't come up with that. Somebody told me that this week. I was like, I'm going to write that down. Waiting is an element of time. Patiently is an element of control. Here's the reality. You're going to have to wait no matter what on certain things. You're going to leave here. You're probably getting stuck in that traffic I was talking about up here. You're going to have to wait if you go eat at a restaurant after this probably unless you worked ahead and made reservations. There's going to be situations in your life that you're just going to have to wait and you can't really do anything about it. But the key is, are you willing to wait patiently? Are we the kind of people who are willing to give up control and trust our life over to God and say, okay, God, your ways are better than mine. Your ways are better than mine. And it's not about being passive. Patience isn't about being passive. It's actually about being proactive in the things of God. It's not about just sitting back and letting God do everything. We're joining with him and we're proactive in the things of God. Waiting patiently doesn't mean waiting perfectly. And God extends his grace to us, and I'm grateful for that. But also, patience is proved when things are painful, not when things are perfect. You can't say to people, when your life is going great and you're in a great season and things just seem to be moving right along, you can't say to your friends, look how patient I am. That's not how it works. You don't get to do that. But you get to prove that patience that may be at work in you when things are difficult, when the pressure's on, when you're experiencing some sort of pain in your life. That's when you can prove the patience. When you feel like you're in a season that you feel stuck in that will never end, it's these times that we're learning to continue to trust our life over to God and be patient and willing to wait on his timing. 
So this morning, I want, I want us to consider this question when it comes to our waiting. This is something I believe Abraham understood. Are we waiting with the end in mind? Are we waiting with the end in mind? I think, you know, Abraham didn't know how everything was going to play out. Obviously, he didn't know the whole story that was going to unfold and that Jesus the Messiah was, was going to be coming through his descendants in the way that it all actually ended up happening. But I do believe that he knew something else was coming. He was waiting with the end in mind. Are we doing that? Most of you know, or I think at least some of you know, that recently my nanny passed away. She was 95, and I was very, very close to her. Here's a picture of us for those who maybe don't know the story of how close we were. But uh, she passed away recently, and it was, you know, her funeral was like one of the most difficult days of my life for sure. And there was all this heartbreak and, and grief that you're working through. But in this really strange way, it actually ended up being one of the most hopeful days that I've ever experienced in my life. And I remember the feeling of pulling out of the, the graveside and getting in my car, and I was going to be driving back to Columbia by myself. And she lives way out in the country in Timmonsville. And we were, we were driving. I mean, I was driving up this road. I passed her house, and I remember I had this weird feeling, you know, this feeling of like, this is like the end of an era. It's this end of this whole season. And I was overwhelmed with gratitude for the relationship that I've had with her over the years. But as I passed her house for the last time, and I, I remember I put my arm out of the window because there was still some family sitting on the porch. I honked my horn, and I, I'm driving straight. And I look ahead. Now, the sky is blue. It's a gorgeous day. It was hot. It was July in South Carolina. But it was a gorgeous day. There was beautiful clouds, blue sky. And I look, and I could see this wall of rain. I mean, this intense wall of rain. I'm like, where did this storm come from? And as I'm about to go into it, you know, normally you'd roll the windows up, and I'm just, just going to let it be. So I rolled my windows down, all of them, and I just had hit the rain, and all this rain was just pouring onto my arm and coming into the car. And it was just oh, this overwhelming feeling. I actually had country roads take me home, like, blaring on my radio. And it was just this beautiful thing. And I'm dealing with all these emotions and grief, and all of a sudden I look to my left. And I see this picture. I actually stopped and took a picture of it. This amazing rainbow that was crossing back over, back over towards her house and over her property. And in that moment, truly, I wept the deepest tears I think I've ever wept. But they were, they were strangely full of joy. Because in that moment, I'm like, oh, man, her journey's over here. But she has received the full promise of God. She has received the full promise of God. And I just kept driving the windows down, the rain pouring. And the rain only lasted maybe like three minutes and then it was over. But it was the most beautiful moment as I felt God's spirit really just overwhelm me and remind me that all of our journeys are headed somewhere. All of our journeys are moving towards something and are we waiting patiently are we waiting with the end in mind so there are going to be moments where our patience is going to be tested that's that's just the reality of life there's going to be big situations that we don't really want to have to wait in there's going to be small little things that we talked about earlier that we're going to have to wait in but may we be mindful of this God this God who makes promises this God who is so patient with us 
this God who is walking with us in our life's journey, may we be mindful of the bigger picture that we're all on a journey. Every person you encounter that you can get easily frustrated with and impatient with, they're also on a journey. And for those of us who are in Christ know that our journey ends fully in the presence of God, receiving fully the promise of God. And I think that's worth waiting for. Amen. I'm going to close this morning reading this prayer out of this book, this incredible book called Every Moment Holy. And what it is, is just prayers for every situation in life. And this is what this one says. It's a prayer for when you're having to wait. Okay. It says, as my life is lived in the anticipation of the redemption of all things. First of all, that's so loaded right? Just that beginning. This is all going somewhere. We're not just living our life day to day, stuck in routine. Actually, it's all going somewhere. Our lives are moving towards something. As my life is lived in the anticipation of the redemption of all things, so let my slow movement in this, maybe you fill in the blank, let my slow movement in this traffic, in this line, in the situation, in this season, whatever it is, let my slow movement in this thing be to my own heart a living parable and a teachable moment. Do not waste even my petty irritations, O Lord. Use them to expose my sin and selfishness and to reshape my vision and my desire into better and holier things. Be present in my waiting, O Lord, that I might also be present in it as a Christ bearer to those who, to those before and behind me who also wait. You see, we're all in a season of waiting in some way or the other. And we know that our life's journey can end receiving the full promise of God if we continue to wait patiently. What I wanna do this morning, I just wanna invite you all to stand and we're gonna sing together this closing song And the verses, I just want you to listen and to read the words of the verses, but I want you to join with me on the chorus as we are reminded about how God walks with us. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. So we sing that through it all, through in Jesus I've learned to trust in God through it all through it all oh I've learned to depend upon his word listen to these words oh I thank God for the mountains and I I thank him for the valleys and I, I thank him for the storms he brought me through. 
For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. So we sing through it all, through it all. Oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. His word, oh, we sing through it all, through it all. Oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God. people said amen as we go this morning let's remember that every trial every tribulation every difficulty every situation that we may find ourselves in is only just one piece of the puzzle and that we're all moving towards something to fully receive the promise of God as we patiently wait for him amen you guys have a great week